2: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode of Locked on Packers is brought to you by Brewtown Trading Co. Brewtown Trading is the number one destination in Wisconsin for buying, selling, and trading sports cards and memorabilia. Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. It is our rookie orientation show. Again, our last one of the preseason. That means our last one full stop with Kadar Holman. Jeff Risden, who covers the, the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns for the USA Today, Wire Networks, uh, is on the show. He has seen Kadar Holman in person, seen him play, seen him at the Shrine game, talked to him, and so he has a really good feel about who Holman is, what he can be, and what he brings to the table for the Packers. But before we do that part of this, we have to get to some news. The Packers got good news on the injury front again yesterday because Oren Burks said that not only is the timetable for his injury not going to require him to go on IR in all likelihood. What he said was it's going to be weeks, not months, which means we're talking about he could be back week three, week four, week five for the Green Bay Packers. Corey Lindsley has been in and out of some of these practices, had been dealing with a bicep injury earlier in training camp, but he looks on track to play week one. That leaves just Kevin King, Jimmy Graham, and Oren Burks as preferred starters injured right now. And Oren Burks is set to come back now, we think, as early as you know, sometime late September, early October even. Could be sooner. We don't know. It's a partially torn pec and will not require surgery. So the timetable remains up in the air, but as he said, and we can't always trust players on these kinds of things, but we're talking about weeks, not months. And if he can't go on IR or if it is imprudent to put him on IR, that would be the reason you wouldn't put him on IR is because he could come back much sooner than that. If it seemed like he couldn't come back until week six, week seven at the earliest, then you just put him on IR, you save that roster spot, and you bring him back a week or two later than you might have otherwise brought him back. It doesn't look like that's going to be necessary for Burks, and that is critical for the Packers defense. Now, Kevin King is supposed to be close. Brian Gutekunst has said he is close. We don't have to take anything about whether or not these guys play in the fourth week of the preseason as any indication of what's going to happen next week. When the Packers kick off against the Bears, it will have nothing to do with what happened in week four of the preseason, and there will be no indication of who's playing and who's not based on the starters in that game because most of the starters are not going to be on the field, and that's just the reality of week four of the preseason. You might get you know, Lane Taylor who's fighting for his job. You have to field a competent offensive line if you want to get a good look at your quarterbacks or your running backs, but... Kevin King wasn't going to play anyway. Jimmy Graham was not going to play anyway. We are not going to know until next week at the earliest the status of the injuries of those players. So that leaves the Packers wondering about alternatives with Oren Burks. With Kevin King, we know what the alternatives are. Tony Brown, Tremont Williams, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman. There are guys on this roster who can pick up the slack and I don't think you would be crazy for saying that, you know, getting Tony Brown those reps could be really important for the Packers. You could make the case that that Tony Brown had a more impressive preseason than anything we saw from Kevin King in his first two preseasons as a pro. It's possible he's simply a better player. Now, the, the talent that Kevin King has, the experience that he has, that is hard to deny, But the Packers at least have a plan at cornerback. They also have a plan at tight end. If Jimmy Graham can't go week one, and and it seems like they're just being cautious with this finger hand injury situation. He played with a broken thumb last year. If he needs to go in week one, he's going to go in all likelihood. But they have Mercedes Lewis. They have Big Bob Tanyan. And they have Jay Sternberger, who the Packers have said, we think he can play whenever we need him to play. So that leaves the question about what they're going to do at inside linebacker with Curtis Bolton's injury being a a smaller timetable also. They might just wait it out. Malcolm Smith, a player you may recall from his days with the Seahawks, he was just cut by the 49ers. That's at least a a coaching staff that that Matt LaFleur knows. And he's a veteran at inside linebacker. Could be an option. There aren't a lot of great options out there. I think the most likely situation, again, is that Raven Green is going to play that nickel linebacker. They're going to play a lot of multiple safety looks, a lot of big nickel looks, and they're just going to buy time until Oren Burks gets back. And it's going to hurt a little bit of their flexibility. It's going to hurt their ability to play big. You think about what they're going to be in week two when they have to play a team that really wants to pound the ball in the Minnesota Vikings. I think Chicago wants to be a little bit more run-heavy this season than they were last year. Oren Burks, although run game defense was not his forte, he's at least a bigger body, at least a traditional linebacker size to have on the field. Raven Green, that might take away a little bit of his effectiveness based on who they're playing. That said, Raven Green has shown the ability to cover and could potentially be a useful player against a team like Chicago when you have to cover Trey Burton and Tariq Cohen. Ditto against the Vikings when you have to cover Kyle Rudolph and rookie Irv Smith Jr. and Dalvin Cook, who they're going to split out of the backfield. So right now, that solution is Raven Green. Until they sign someone else, that has to be the premise that we operate under when it comes to how they're going to deal with this injury. Listen up, Packer fans. Here is your opportunity to win free tickets to the Bears-Packers game week 15. This game could be for the division, and Brewtown Trading Co. wants to send you and a buddy for free brewtown is your number one destination in wisconsin for buying selling and trading sports cards and memorabilia here is how to enter you can go to brewtown store on 76th and cold spring just off 894 in greenfield to receive five entries to win when you mention locked on packers while you're there check out the shop they're always stocked with the hottest releases of wax from tops panini and Upper Deck. Plus, they're always interested in your unwanted sports cards and memorabilia. They're always having events. So follow their social accounts for the latest schedule. Use the Locked On Packers hashtag on the Brewtown Facebook page or on Twitter for another free entry to win tickets. Not local? Check out their live breaks on Facebook or have them ship product directly to your house. Again, Brewtown Trading Co. located just off 894 at 76th and Cold Spring in Greenfield and on Facebook and Twitter at Brewtown Trading Co. Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. David Harrison here, the Locked on
1: Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store
2: all right we're going to get to jeff risden in just a second but i want to tell you about the locked on packers newsletter we are starting this Uh, This week, Thursday, it's going to come out and it's going to come out every Thursday during the season with all of the top pieces from around the internet on the Packers with some unique analysis and insights exclusive to the newsletter. Will not be shared anywhere else, so make sure you find that and and all the information. The podcast is going to be in there. Everything you need to get ready for game day to be the most up-to-date fan you can be. If you listen to this show, you're already working toward that. Subscribe to the newsletter. It's not going to be overwhelming. It's not going to be every day. I'm not going to spam you, I promise. So go check that out. I tweeted out the link. Go find the Locked On Packers newsletter and subscribe. And also, please tell your friends. All right, let's get to Jeff. He is the managing editor at the Browns Wire and the Lions Wire. You can listen to him on ESPN 961. He works for Real GM as well, covering the NFL and the NFL draft. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Risden. Jeff, thanks for coming on Locked On Packers.
0: Oh, my pleasure to be with you. It's my, it's my first time being on the Packers, so uh, I'm a little excited about that.
2: Well, we are excited to have you and and very excited about the prospects of Kadar Holman, someone who jumped out right away in offseason workouts and who is someone that I don't think a lot of Packer fans really had a beat on coming out of Toledo, sixth round pick, not not someone whose name was out there a ton, but someone that you got to see in person a number of times, someone you got to talk to. So I'm excited to dig in with you as well. When did Kadar Holman first sort of hit your radar? Uh, so I, I, I live in Maxion
0: country. I'm an Ohio University grad, so I, I watch an inordinate amount of Maction, Uh And I saw him, it would have been his first year uh, at Toledo, but uh, really the last two years is when I, I saw a great deal of him, uh, specifically in their Miami game. Uh, they played a, a series against Miami two years in a row he played really well in both of those games. Um, the, the Rockets themselves actually disappointed the first year they had the better team and and wound up losing to Miami, which was very disappointing, but, uh, he's a guy, he looked like a guy who belonged on the other roster. Um, you know, he didn't look like he belonged (laughs) in the Mac physically as an athlete. He's, he's a really, you know, excellent, excellent athlete. And I'm sure, I'm sure Packers fans have seen that from him already. You know, he, uh, I, I was at their game against Western Michigan last year and Western Michigan did not have a quarterback with much of an arm and he taunted him um, into throwing his way. uh, And that, and that's sort of his style. You know, he, 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 he's a very good athlete and he knows it and he likes to use that to yeah. his advantage. And that's something that, that comes across very clearly when you see him
2: in person and also on game film. Yeah, you're right. Me, the size is something that, that jumps out, uh, out right away and then you combine that with the speed to be You know, six feet tall, almost 200 pounds, and to be able to run like he does, that's not someone you normally see in a a MAC team. And yet he's really had to fight for everything that he's gotten on a football field, was not highly recruited coming out of high school, didn't even get a scholarship until his sophomore season. He plays with that chip on his shoulder.
0: Yeah, he really does. He was he was a little bit of a late bloomer athletically and academically. He didn't qualify coming out of high school either. He wound up going to a prep academy. I yeah. think it was in New Jersey somewhere. Um mm-hmm. so he's overage and, and that's actually one of the reasons why he fell in the draft is that he's twenty five already. So yeah. he's older than than a lot of guys who've been in the league for two or three years. And that, that that's a little bit of a drawback, and but it also shows, you know, that he is stuck with it. He has busted his butt to get where he is. You know, he doesn't take it for granted that the fact that he's there and, and, you know, like you said, his size, the ability for him to accelerate to full speed in one or two steps at his size is not something that you see from a lot of cornerbacks at any level of football.
2: Yeah. One of the things that stood out in the the OTAs, even just, you know, sort of in shells was he's going to put his hands on you and he is going to be physical. He he really only, I mean, a lot of scouting reports, you read them and they say, yeah, he he's really... A press man corner, and probably can't do much else. Well, what we what we've seen so far is it doesn't matter because he's really good at that one thing. Uh, <laughs> but when when you watch him, uh, do you do you see, do you see that number one? And and um, if not, do you see? Do you think he could do other kinds of things in terms of playing off coverage, playing zone coverage, whatever it is?
0: Well, I would certainly play to his strengths, and I th- I, I think you know having experienced Mike Pettin a little bit in his Cleveland years, I, I think he's smart enough to realize these things. So mm-hmm. that that's not out of character for him. He did play some off coverage. Uh, he tended to not play it as deep. Uh, normally you're, you're seven or nine yards off, depending on, on the down and distance. He was never more than like five, and some of that owes to his physical attributes. He's, he's just fast enough to, to handle that. Nobody's going to run past him, and I, I think that helps him out a little bit. It also um, Toledo does that a lot, actually, to help their run game. They they tend to have seriously undersized linebackers. You remember J-Ron Elliott as an example? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was their middle linebacker there. So that they, they play linebackers that are, you know, 210, 215. So they 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 rely on those defensive backs to play a lot of run support. So he even when he was in off coverage, um, and they didn't play a lot of zone, but a little bit, he was he tended to be lined up closer to the line of scrimmage than, than a normal off man that you think of in college. So he can do those things. He's definitely at his best though when he's got his hand on the receiver can start right with him um, dictate a little bit of the release because uh, one of the things when you're that big and that's fast he doesn't change directions all that fluidly uh, and it really shows when he goes up against quicker receivers he doesn't necessarily have a problem with speed it's the it's the or size it's it's the smaller quicker guys or guys who can you know put a foot in and and break off of it quickly uh, and cross over him those are the guys that he has trouble with um, and he did have a holding problem I, th- I believe he got called for four holding penalties his senior year and i'm sure he earned them all just from having watched yeah. him play so uh th- there's some grabbiness there um and most of that again is is when a guy is is getting across from him so you know if you're playing him in zone be aware that he might not be able to handle the you know the, the quick guys but he's going to be able to handle the the, the size and speed and, and he's aware he's not he's not a dumb football player he can see things he can adapt to it he was
2: someone who really stood out at the Shrine game and, and you were down there. You got to you got to see him in person from your standpoint. Was he someone that that stood out to you when, when you were watching practice?
0: Yes, he was. Um, actually, they did a they do a one on one red zone drill where the quarterback is just throwing and it's a cornerback or, or a defensive back and a wide receiver or a tight end. And uh, I'm actually looking at my notes right now. I did a little prep for this. Um, he, he broke up three of the five passes that were thrown at his way in that drill on the Wednesday of practice. That's really impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, was, he was great in it. He has a very good sense of how to position himself between the quarterback and the receiver. He understood that if they're going to do a slant across him, he needs to get the trail, uh, but get on that inside hip and just really good, smart technique in it. Uh, the only one he got beat on that I remember, um, and it was uh, – uh, Keyshawn Johnson from uh, Fresno State, who's tearing it up for Arizona. By mm-hmm. the way, um, yep. he got him. He got him on an inside-out move where uh, Hallman just sort of grasped for air and and got beat on the outside uh, with David Blow throwing the pass. Um, for those who care, <laughs> so it's uh, you know <laughs> Keyshawn Johnson. That 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 guy's an NFL a legit NFL receiver. So there's no, yeah. no shame in losing that in, in a one-on-one drill where it's kind of set up for the offense. He he really impressed me. Um, I I was standing that day. With some of the guys from the draft network, and we were all like, wow, there's a lot of pluses on his name today, aren't there? So he he definitely got some buzz.
2: Yeah, I feel like it's always hard for defensive backs in those settings to come through oh, it's, because it's, it's brutal, everything man. is set up <laughs> for them to fail. It's all to work the quarterback and the receiver, but that's another reason. I'm glad you brought that up. Because that's another reason why him showing up so much in OTAs was eye-opening for me, because the pads hadn't even come on yet. That's when you would expect someone like Kadar Holman to really shine because he's physical and all that stuff. And yet in one-on-ones in some of these seven-on-seven drills, he's flashing and showing that you got a chance to talk to him as well. When you were down there, what was your impression of him just, just speaking to him just sort of, you know, man to man?
0: No, he was a guy who was incredibly grateful for the opportunity that he's got. He, he, he wears, you know, the fact that he, he is older uh, and he hasn't been given everything in life. He wears that as a big chip on his shoulder, and it's not a it's not an angry chip. It's more like a a driven chip. You know mm-hmm. he he is not going to do anything to jeopardize his shot at this. He was very confident that he was going to go in the third or fourth round, uh, and quite frankly, that's probably where he belonged. But again, the age, um, the fact that he yeah. played at Toledo probably held him back a little bit. But th- this is a guy that he he was very easy to root for. Um, one of the things that we, we talked about, um, I ask every player, this is who's the best player down here that you're going up against. And he was like, super diplomatic. He did. He totally did not want to ruffle any feathers. You know, like, I don't want to put one guy over another. And I thought that was very interesting because he, he already had that sort of savvy that, Hey, one of these guys might be my teammate someday. So, yeah. or I might have to, you know, line up against them. I don't want to give anybody any, any fodder for that. He was really careful about, about thinking about what he was answering before he answered. You don't get that from everybody, and. It, it, Sometimes it can, it can come off as a little, you know, nah, okay, this guy's just a dead fish. But he was more like, you know, he's really, you could see him really thinking about it and wanting to give honest answers without giving away too much. And that's, uh, that's refreshing sometimes.
2: All right, we're going to get back to Jeff in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about vivid seats. Look, we all love a night out. You go out, you, you see a concert, or you're going to go to a basketball game, or you're going to go to a football game. Vivid Seats is the place to get your tickets. With the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program, you can attend that concert or that show of your choice and earn credit toward your next live event. Vivid Seats can get you to any kind of event you want to go to, and you can sort by price or look for seats in the section in the row where you want to sit. All of it is there for you on the Vivid Seats app. And to make things even easier, Vivid Seats now has that loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back with Vivid Seats reward. For the month of August, earn double credit back from 10 to 16% on all your purchases through the Vivid Seats app. So you have to get Going. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Rewards Loyalty Program, and every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater tickets and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Reward Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100.
3: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
2: It does seem like, too, just from a personality standpoint, the play on the field is not necessarily reflected in his personality off of it because he plays with an aggressiveness and a a swagger. But then off the field, he seems like he comes off as a thoughtful, uh, much more measured, I think, kind of kind of dude. And maybe that is just the maturity. Maybe that is the fact that he's a little bit older. He's got a little bit more perspective and and he just views it that way. Yeah,
0: I would think so. That you know, again, being that old, um, and I hate to keep harping on that, but it is a factor. You know, yeah, you, you know, that does make a difference. By NFL standards, it's 20, old.
2: twenty-one years old. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. So when you were when you were putting together, you know, your your thoughts for the draft, you felt like he he probably should have gone at least two rounds before when he when he actually did.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking at you least know, from a, a pure
2: talent standpoint.
0: Yeah, I was thinking he was in like the uh, probably like. I, I I have to look where I have him ranked. I I had him ranked somewhere in in the in that third round range of like you know seventy five to one hundred somewhere in that range. I thought he might go a little bit later than that, just because you know there is a stigma against playing in the MAC. Although it, it didn't affect his teammate Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh going in the second round. And by the way, he looks mm-hmm. really good too. Uh, Toledo yeah. has something there, man. That, that 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 program can turn out some talent. So uh, yeah, I and I was a little surprised. Was yes, exactly. <laughs> I was, uh, I was hoping, you know, that, that Hallman would go third or fourth round. I actually went, when he fell, uh, as you know, a a little bit, I, I, I sort of root for the Houston Texans. I used to cover the team. They are in desperate need of cornerbacks. I was really hoping they would pounce on him in the fourth and fifth round. And they didn't, and they liked him too. I know they interviewed him down there uh, and liked what Mm -hmm. they saw. So for whatever reason they passed, uh,
2: that that's their loss. Uh, You do, before we get out of here, you do, uh, you do cover the Browns and the Lions as well in Maction country. Just, just give me your, your right now, your projection on where those teams finish. Uh, We'll
0: start with the Browns because they're a happy prediction. Uh, I will be shocked (laughs) if they don't win the AFC North. I don't know how good they're going to be, but I'll tell you this, and I've been at their camp and I've, I've watched them a lot, their talent from one to 10 and then one to 53 is as good as any team in the AFC on paper on paper I know they don't play the games on paper but there is so many top shelf players Uh, I, I love Miles Garrett he's one of my favorite players he's very easy to like he's an easy guy to see getting you know 18 to 20 sacks this year in all seriousness he's he's a monster and and one of the reasons why I like what the Browns are going to be able to do is that if their offense is struggling, and they're going, they're going to have some days where, where Baker Mayfield just isn't on top of it or Nick Chubb gets shut down and their offensive tackles are crap, but beyond that, their, their defense is good enough that they can carry the day. So I, I think they're going to go 10-6, and 11-5. They have a terrible kicking situation right now, so that might hold them back a little bit, but I fully expect them to be in the playoffs. The Lions, oh boy, I, I appreciate what they're trying to do. Um, I really do, uh, and and I, I am a lifelong Lions fan. I grew up in Cleveland as a Lions fan, so that's my curse. Um, they, I, I like what they're trying to do, and I like what Daryl Bevel is trying to do with the offense. But they are so god awful thin at the skill position talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have two wide receivers. They have two running backs. Although Ty Johnson is a rookie, uh, is going to show some things. You know, the, T.J. Hawkinson looks phenomenal at tight end but they're just not a team that scares you offensively unless Matthew Stafford is really clicking. Last year, he was not. Their defense is going to be very difficult to play against, yeah. and I, I am very curious to watch them play and line up and do things to throw off even really good quarterbacks. That includes Aaron Rodgers, uh, who I hold in, in, in incredibly high esteem. They are not going to be an easy team to beat, but I think they're going to get beat more than they win. Uh, I'll leave it at that
2: <laughs> yeah I, I think that's reasonable uh, Jeff I mentioned that you you do a lot in terms of coverage around the NFL let my listeners know uh, where they can find the excellent work that you do
0: yeah sure I am the managing editor for the Browns Wire and the Lions Wire on the USA Today Wire site so you can check that out you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Risdon. that's R-I-S-D-O-N no spaces or anything in there Uh, And I'm also the uh, NFL and draft writer for real GM. Uh, I do weekly picks and a weekly rap column there every week that has a national slant on it too.
2: So uh, thanks for, thanks for doing that. And uh, please check it out. Go check out Jeff's work. Uh, Follow him on Twitter for sure. Uh, One of the best out there, especially around draft time, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. I want to thank Jeff again for joining the program. Uh, I hope that that you enjoyed that insight into Kadar Holman I know I did he was not a player that was really on my radar and then the more I dug and the more I prepped honestly for this podcast the more I learned that the Packers really got a steal in the sixth round a player that that Jeff said could have been a third or a fourth round pick that Lance Zerline at at NFL.com said could be a fifth round pick to get him as late as they did I mean I think the Packers really did well there and his talent is coming through he's showing up consistently. And if he's healthy, he's going to be called upon because injuries in the secondary are just part of the deal. And the Packers know that. Packer fans know that. I mean, you guys have seen some stuff, right? And Holman is going to be part of the solution if the injuries continue. Josh Jackson is back, which is great. But J. Alexander has an injury history. Kevin King obviously has an injury history. Tremont Williams is very old by NFL standards. So Chances are, Holman is going to have to be on the field, and I think Packer fans should feel pretty good at this point about what that means for their team. I want to remind you, Locked on Packers, the newsletter is here. You can go subscribe to it. I've tweeted out the link. I'll put the link on the Facebook page as well. It'll be on my Twitter. It'll be on the Locked on Podcast Twitter. Follow me at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast at Locked on Packers and sign up for the newsletter. Get exclusive content to the newsletter exclusive insight from me i'm going to bring you stuff you may have missed from around the internet statistics pieces everything that you need to get ready for your weekend and that's going to come out on thursdays from now on so get on board the locked on packers newsletter subscribe also to the podcast if you haven't already on itunes on spotify your preferred podcast provider go do that And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.